The Jets squeaked past the Dolphins 22-21 Sunday on a last-second field goal for their fifth win of the year. We talk about the ugly win, the matchup with the Ravens Thursday, and Gang Green being eliminated from the playoffs with New York Post football columnist Mark Canazero. Former Jets defensive end and a Super Bowl champion with the Broncos, Marvin Washington, also joins the show. All that and more next on Gang's All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gang's All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are joined today by our pal Mark Canazero and former Jet Marvin Washington. Let's get it on. All right, the Jets win an ugly one Sunday, 22-21 over the Dolphins. Sam Ficken makes the 44-yard field goal to win the game, and at this point, the Jets aren't going to complain about the way uh, they look winning games. They're not out there for style points. They'll happily take this win and move along. They're now 5-8. and eight. Dolphins fall to 3-10. and 10. You know, I thought the uh, big stories from the game were the, the defense not allowing a touchdown, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick ran for some yards and he, he passed for some yards, and they ended up with 362, I think it was, for the Dolphins. The, the Jets gave up no touchdowns. It was the classic bend-but-don't-break defense. The Dolphins got to the red zone six times and came away with six field goals, seven in the game. Um, you know, and the Dolphins have been a very good red zone team. This Dolphins team doesn't do a lot well, but they were fourth in the NFL in red zone offense and have been very good recently with Fitzpatrick. So give Greg Williams a lot of credit. There was a lot of guys on that field today defensively that if you didn't have a program, you didn't know who they were. And he figured out a way to slow down the Dolphins uh, and Fitzpatrick enough for the Jets to find a way to win this game. Wasn't the greatest game in the world for Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, I thought he had a good first half and then struggled a lot in the second half, made some really bad decisions and got away with them. He had one interception, but he could have easily had three interceptions just counting off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, that, that's got to get fixed. And obviously the big pass interference call at the end is what they're going to be talking about in Miami. But to me, it was a good call. The guy interfered with them. And if they're going to have that rule in place where you can review it, and this was a official review because it was inside two minutes, they should overturn them. Earlier in the year, they weren't overturning these calls. Uh, I think it's a good sign now that the NFL seems to be turning them over. Um, now going forward, the Jets have the Ravens Thursday night, a quick turnaround. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for them with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, we'll see if the Jets can put up a fight. You know, I, I think that's all you're looking for in this game. I, I don't give the Jets much of a chance to win this game the way the Ravens are playing, but you just want to look at them and see that they're giving an effort and not laying down for the Ravens and just getting run over in this game. Not much left to play for, obviously. You know, you could have said the Jets were eliminated from the playoffs, you know, weeks ago when they lost in Miami and went to one and seven. I think the playoff hopes were pretty much dead, but they officially were eliminated Sunday night when the Titans beat the Raiders and the Steelers beat the Cardinals. That knocked them out of the playoffs. Nine straight years now with no playoffs. This is the second longest drought in Jets history. The only one longer was uh, 1970 to 1980 when they didn't make the playoffs. So this is, you know, these are dark days of, of Jets fandom for you. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to, it's a question of when they're going to come out of this and finally get back to the playoffs. You know, this is, they're going to have a non-winning season. Uh, they're right now eight and eight is the best they could do. It's probably going to be a losing season. 
which um, if they have a losing season, it'll be four in a row, five in six years. So uh, it, it's, you know, there's not a lot to play for here. I think you're looking for uh, how Sam Donald does down the stretch and if they can show some fight. Um, but, you know, the, the playoffs are, are officially dead now. While the Jets' playoff hopes are dead, we're going to bring in somebody who will be covering the playoffs for the post, Mark Cannizzaro. Uh, you can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Cannizzaro, and read his columns in the post at nypost.com. And Mark was by my side today with the 22-21 Jets win over the Dolphins. Can, uh, what was your biggest takeaway from this uh, Jets victory? Well, I mean, because my biggest takeaway was while it was not artistic, as we as we know, uh, and it was between two teams that are not really going anywhere, um, I, as you know, I'm more on the optimistic side than you are. You were a little bit pessimistic, as our podcast listeners probably can detect. Um, I liked what what Sam Darnold did on the last drive, which is what I wrote my column about in the Post, you know, um, for Monday's paper. Again, it wasn't, you know, you know starting the drive at the five-yard line and 95 yards to glory or anything like that. They were aided by what I thought was a very good call at the end of the day and that pass interference penalty um, on, uh, you know, on the, on the pass play of Vincent Smith. So um, at the, I just like the way Darnold handled things. Um, he showed poise. They had no timeouts. There was a minute 29 left in the game. Um, obviously, the first play of Vincent Smith was, was huge. And part of what I wrote in my column was was the fact, uh, and Demarius Thomas actually pointed this out to me after the game and when I was speaking to him right afterwards when I got in the locker room. On that play, that 37-yard, you know, kind of the igniter switch, so to speak, play on that drive to, you know, Sam, Sam to Vincent Smith, uh, two series earlier, the Dolphins had, had blitzed, cornerback blitz, exact same play, um, and uh, the cornerback batted the ball away. Um, uh, uh, Nick Needham, rookie cornerback, batted the ball away. It was a third and six play. Jets gave the ball back. Uh, Dolphins went down, you know, and and scored on a field goal. Took the lead at the time. They ran that exact same play, uh, and uh, Sam recognized it the second time around and and got the ball over Needham's outstretched arms as he was blitzing, and got it obviously to Smith, who you know turned it into a 37-yard gain. And really, I mean, that was the play of the game, other than. Uh, you know, Sam Ficken winning it with the you know, with the, the game deciding field goal. You know, for Sam to recognize that at the you know in the heat of the moment, you know, I thought it was a massively important moment for the Jets and for Sam. And you know, listen, the Jets are going to need you know Sam to, to to be that kind of guy and and engineer those kinds of drives if he's going to realize, you know, that his potential as the number three overall pick last year. Uh, and again, like it wasn't artistic, but he got the job done. At the in the end result is is all that counts. And uh, that, that's what stood out to me the most. I mean, you know, listen, these are two struggling teams. And uh, I also will – one thing I, which I did not write about at all is I really think that the job that uh, that Greg Williams did with the amount of – you know, the, the continuing mounting of pieces, you know, the, that are that he doesn't have on the uh, on his chessboard. Um, I mean, just – I mean, they had basically no, no starting DBs left. Um, and for Fitz – Ryan Fitzpatrick not to have a touchdown pass today is stunning to me. I mean, I thought he was going to throw for 400 yards today and three or four, three or four touchdowns. So, I, you know, again, you know, same thing on the offensive side of the ball. It wasn't artistic. Fitz moved the ball a little bit. There wasn't a lot of pressure on him. But I think, you know, the Jets did what they had to do to keep him out of the end zone in the red zone. And uh, you got to give credit to Greg Williams for, you know, for that. 
He almost ran for 400 yards. He killed him. He absolutely killed him. Yeah, he killed him. He was at 67 yards, I think, rushing, uh, 65 yards and eight carries. Um, that did that did hurt him badly. Yeah, there's no question. But you know what? It didn't, it didn't hurt him as badly as him slinging it around and throwing four touchdown passes. No, it was better better result than the first time when they played him, and he threw three touchdown passes. Uh, which the running the Fitz running transitions me to the next question, which is they they play Lamar Jackson on Thursday night and the uh, eleven and two Ravens. Um, I don't think there's anyone who thinks the Jets are going to win that game, but you know, for you, what would be a win for the Jets in this game? Um, you know, keeping it close, limiting Lamar Jackson. What what do you think would be a good result for the Jets Thursday night? Uh, you know, if listen, if they're still in the game late, in the, you know, late in the fourth quarter, I think that's a win. You know, don't get annihilated. Um, you know, that, that that turns into a step back. I mean, we were both in, in Cincinnati last week against a horrific Bengals team. And the Jets, uh, to me, took three steps back. I mean, they, you know, they, they came in there with a three-game winning streak and had a chance to, you know, get to six and seven with a win over, over Miami today and then, uh, you know, and, and then go to Baltimore. And then, you know, then it's, you know, not that they're going to go to the playoffs, but it's just interesting. I took the, they took massive steps back. I think if they go and lose, you know, thirty-five to three, and they're not competitive, uh, that's a that's a that's a big step back, uh, you know, next week. And uh, you know, they're going to have to listen. I mean, you know, this is a step up in class across the board. You know, it's let's start at quarterback. I mean, you know, if they don't if they don't have a spy on Lamar Jackson, you know, you know, every game, every every play of that game, then they're they're idiots. I mean, they're going to have to have somebody, you know. And you know the problem. The problem is that you know, do we really know if 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 Jamal Adams is going to be back? I, you know, I sense maybe not. Um, in fact, I'd be a little bit surprised if he is back. You know, so I mean that you know that's a killer for the Jets. Um, so you know they're going to have to do something special. Uh, you know to keep to keep Jackson in in you know in you know, from from shredding them. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Jamal's back as well. Um, you know, it felt like that's a long term injury. The way they were talking about it last week. But they could use him. I mean, they sure could use him against Lamar Jackson. Uh, I just, you know, this is this is gonna be the best team the Jets have played all year. Um, you know, I know they played the Patriots twice, but I, I think the Ravens are, are operating at a different level even than the Patriots right now. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get a chance because we were both at the game. Obviously, I didn't get a chance to see what went down with the Bills game. Obviously, it looked like you know I'll, I'll take a little bit more of a look at it and and and. Uh, you know, I mean, which I'm sure the Jets certainly will, are probably doing already tonight. Uh, their coaches with the short week, but obviously, you know, uh, that game was pretty. You know, uh, you know, I mean, listen, the Bills are a pretty good team, but they went in at nine and three. But uh, they must have done something defensively to keep Lamar in check because it, you know the, the numbers weren't crazy there at all. So I'm sure you know Greg Williams has got an eye on that, and the problem is the Jets just don't have the horses. Another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires touchdown. You know what the Jets were thinking? He's going to take the ball and throw it into the ground. They he didn't stopped. do it. They all stopped. If you take a look at it, the offensive linemen, all they did was stand up. And Marino says to Ingram, I mean, that's the communication that they have. You saw fire on the two-point conversion. Tell Marino from the back of his hand, hey, throw the ball to me. Now, here's Ingram for his fourth touchdown. They just, I mean, this is a beautiful play. They catch the Jets napping. They're just standing there. That was Marv Albert and Paul McGuire on the call of the fake spike on November 27, 1994. Uh, Dan Marino fake spike for a TD. And the Dolphins beat the Jets 28-24 that day. We're going to be joined by Marvin Washington later in the show who played in that game. And will uh, give us a breakdown. But 
Mark Cannizzaro was covering that team and was there that day in 1994. Can I'm just curious, what, what were your memories of that play 25 years later? It feels like it was last Sunday. I mean, I can remember it so well. Uh, you know, it, it, and that was a weird game because, you know, they were up 24 to 6, and they just, they just, you could just feel the game bleeding away uh, and leading to that obviously ultimate moment, um, uh, you know, when, when Marino does the fake spike. And, and you know, I, had, I personally had never seen that play done before, executed or even tried. You know, so I certainly was completely duped. And, uh, you know, I felt bad for Aaron Glenn, you know, who was a really, really good cornerback. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, know you, you, you can't kill him for it. You know, but my favorite moment that came out of that was was, was years later talking to Boomer Esiason, who obviously was the Jets quarterback at that time. And he started the comeback by throwing a pretty bad interception when it was 24-6, if I know, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. And... Uh, Boomer told me a story actually for a book I wrote on the Jets years later um, about driving back home to Long Island after the game. He was in his car. He was in he was in Lincoln Tunnel traffic, and uh, some some uh, woman had gotten slammed. I, think, I believe it was a woman. It was a fan. It was some you know it was a person who got kind of like you know slammed into you know by another car, and Boomer was kind of side by side with the car. And he noticed that the person was literally like kind of slumped against the wheel. And so he got out of his car to see if the person was okay. And the doors were locked, the windows were up, and he's banging on the window trying to help the person out. And as the person kind of came to and rolled the window down, and Boomer was like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And the, and the, and the, the person looked at him and said, Boomer, is that you? You guys suck. <laughs> How did you blow that game today? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't tell that story as, as well as Boomer does, but it, you know, that that was a great anecdote for the for the book, you know, and uh, and it was just, you know, it was just typical Jet fan, you know, Boomer's trying to help the, this this person who he thinks is unconscious, and all they can think about is, you know, the Jets blowing another lead. But yeah, that was just crazy, and and it, it's one of those those games that'll just, you know, it's there's so many of them that I've covered over the years, uh, you know, and certainly Rich Kotite's two years. Um, you know, highlight or low light that, but that that play it it lives in infamy, like the butt fumble. It's funny you talk about a car accident. So I don't know if I've ever told you my fake spike story. Um, I was a freshman in college then to make you feel old, and uh, I was I was home. I think it was Thanksgiving weekend, so I was home from college, and a buddy of mine called me up. You know, I played high school football with. Said he, he had tickets to the Jets Dolphins game. Do I want to go? And I was like, sure. And we convinced our friend to take his parents' car without their permission because we needed a big car. We had like five people. So we're on the way to the game. <laughs> and sure enough, he rear-ends somebody on Route 3. And we're I, so we're in the Lynnhurst police station. And me and my other friend, um, you know, who called, we, we just wanted to go to the game. But the, the guy who was driving was just devastated. And he was like, you know, he knew his parents were coming. And me and this other guy, we're watching the game. Lindhurst Police Station has the game on, and we're just cursing our friend out for getting in the car. I said that we're not at this game when we see that like it's happening. And so I watched the fake spike in the, the Lindhurst Police Station, waiting for this guy's parents to come and and kill him and, and get us. Wow. And so uh, yeah, <laughs> it was one of those games. You're like, I can't believe I I got that close to this game and I missed it. But I was not in the building. I was just a few miles away. And little did you know, certainly at that time, that you'd be, you know, you'd be the Jets beat writer a thousand years later. You know, covering more calamity, right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize there'd be plenty of Jets painful losses in my future to watch. Uh, I didn't have to be at that one. 
All right, Cam. Well, thanks for, for joining us, and I will see you during the week maybe or, or in Baltimore on Thursday night. See you in Baltimore. After the Jets were eliminated from playoff contention, it's time to hear what the fans are thinking in one final check-in from the fans with our producer, Jake Brown. Dear Jets, woof, that was ugly, but hey, a win is a win. It took you until the final seconds to beat the lowly Dolphins by a single point and avoid getting swept by them this season. You got to 5-8, and eight and you're alive in an attempt to finish at 500, which we all know won't happen. Can you really take positives away from a last-second one-point win that came down to an overturned non-pass interference call against a 3-9 and nine team? No, not really. Sure, it's cool to see a defense decimated by injuries not give up a single touchdown and an offense without Le'Veon Bell be able to put up two touchdowns and three field goals. But it's the Dolphins. When it's all said and done, the Jets were eliminated from playoff contention Sunday after the Titans blew out the Raiders. That marks the ninth straight season gangrene has missed out on the playoffs that's the second longest stretch in franchise history since when the jets missed out of the playoffs from 1970 to 1980 nine straight years you know how many things have happened in nine years people were actually writing letters nine years ago and not emails hell twitter was barely a thing nine years ago i wasn't even legally allowed to drink nine years ago meaning the past eight years i've legally had to drink a vast amount to deal with this ineptitude the Jets have had one winning season since 2010 when Rex Ryan led them to their second straight AFC championship. That came in 2015 in Todd Bowles' first year when they went 10-6. But in typical Jets fashion, they choked in week 17 to the Bills to miss the playoffs. Outside of that, there's been two 8-8s, eight one 6-10, two 5-11s, two 4-12s, and another sub-500 team coming this year when the Ravens destroy them Thursday. This will be the final letter from the fans this season because the last three games mean nothing except draft position. We'll hear more out of Gase post-game press conferences explaining how he put Sam Darnold in bad spots with his play calling and how it needs to be addressed, only to not be addressed in the next game. These letters, just like Gase's coaching job, have been deja vu every week. Joe Douglas and company need to get things right for this team in the offseason because we do not deserve a decade straight in the greatest city in the world without a playoff appearance. The last time it happened, it came after they won a Super Bowl. It's been 50 years without making a Super Bowl. 10 straight years without sniffing the playoffs is a true embarrassment, and every one of us is sick of it. So let us all sign out one final time on Gangs All Here from the fans. I'd like to welcome in now former Jet Marvin Washington. Marvin was with the Jets from 1989 to 1996, and then he went on to win a Super Bowl with the Broncos in 1998. Marvin, thanks for joining us tonight. I know you watched the Jets' 22-21 win over the Dolphins, a a thriller. (laughs) It was was one of the worst one-point games I've ever watched. Um, But I'm curious, what did you think of of the defensive effort uh, of keeping, keeping the Dolphins out of the end zone in this game? Uh, I, I thought they played well. You know, I, I didn't. It, it, I was pleasantly surprised because we had some guys out, particularly with, with our heart and soul being out, Adams. But uh, you know, the, the two per- people that stood out were, were Burgess and uh, Jordan Jenkins is quietly having a good year. You know, I know he was drafted out of out of Georgia a few years ago uh to be an edge rusher and I think he's developing into into that because you know he picked up two sacks today uh 
probably had seven or eight tackles. So he's developing into a pretty good football player and edge rusher. Yeah, he has seven sacks now on the season. So with three games left, he has a chance at double-digit sacks. And he's in a contract year, so that, that would be very important for him. And I think I think he's a guy the Jets probably should bring back. You know what? His, his arrow's been pointing up. I thought he had a, a decent year last year. And I think he's just building onto on it. And I, I hope the contract year is, is – is, it, well, it's, it's a motivation, but I hope it's not the prime motivation. I just like the way he plays. And the, the other kid, uh, I just read about his story, uh, James Burgess, this week or, or last week that, you know, he's been uh, cut six or seven times and, and, and he's still going at it, man. So that's the story for, you know, can be a story for young football players about perseverance, you know, but uh, that that's great. But I don't know if I could have done it. I might have went on with my life full work if I've been bounced around a few times. But it's, it's a great field of story. Uh, by him, I think he's shown that uh, he can play in the NFL. Yeah, he's a guy. Greg Williams loves Burgess. He had him um, in Cleveland, and uh, I think he, I can't remember who caught him in the spring, but as soon as I, I heard this story from someone in the Jets that this was the t- period of time after they fired McCagnan and before they hired Joe Douglas, and Burgess got cut, and Greg Williams went right into Adam Gase's office and was like, "You got to get me this guy," <laughs> and that was when Gase was the GM. So Gase picked him up for him. And it's worked out. You know, he, he was on the practice squad to start the year, but he's been he's been a solid fill-in for them at a position where they were decimated. Uh, you know, as a defensive guy, what have you thought of the job Greg Williams has done with all these moving parts that he's had this year? I think he's done an unbelievable job. You know, if you look at the injuries that we've suffered starting with, with, with week one, uh, going all through the season, you know, from our defensive backfield to uh, losing Leonard Williams up front, you know, through a trade and the injuries we've had at linebacker, I think our defense is, is probably the MVP of our team. They, they've really stepped up. They've played tough ball, you know, particularly against the run. Uh, so I think there are some pieces that if we get everybody healthy and we have a good draft and, and get pick up a couple players in uh, for agency, I, I, I think we can have a top five defense next year because Greg Williams has been in this league a long time. He's a well-respected defensive coordinator, and he's working his magic this year. Uh, he did a, he- a heck of a job today when you compare it to the last time we played Miami and Fitzpatrick looked like, you know, Johnny United. Uh, we, 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 kind of, we, we definitely slowed him down. That comes from his game plan. I thought it was an excellent game plan. Yeah, there were times when he was playing zone, and I'm like, oh boy, Fitz is going to carve them up. And Fitz, you know, he was he had some drives there where he was moving the ball. But then they, when they would get near the end, the, the goal line, man, they were really tightened up and, and stopped him. Uh, I'm curious, Marvin, your opinion of one one Jets player, Quinnen Williams, the rookie, obviously a number three pick. He's got a massive spotlight on him. He got hurt today and left the game. But just from, from your experience um, as a defensive lineman, you know, what's it like as a rookie? What's that learning curve like? And and what have you seen from Quinnen when you've watched him this year? I've seen a solid guy. You know, I know people are, are, are harping on the sacks and whatever, but he's putting some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and even today, before he got hurt, he, he was in Pitts' place and penetrating, you know, their line of scrimmage uh, on the run and the pass. Uh, I think he's a solid player. You know, I think he can be an anchor guy on, on that defensive line. I don't ever see him having 10 to 12 sacks, but, you know, if he can 
play in, 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 in Greg Williams' defense and give us six or seven sacks and, and anchor it down like he's been doing, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think he was worthy of his draft pick, his draft clock. Uh, yeah, for, for what the Jets needed, and we traded away Leonard Williams. So I just think, you know, he can be there, uh, and you get a couple of edge rushers, and, and, and it, 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 I think, you know, uh, our defense is – I'm very bullish on our defense going forward, and he's one of the guys that can be a cornerstone of our defense. Uh, you know, he's just, just going to have to work on his pass rush a little bit this this, this offseason, and uh, I think you'll see some improvement out of him next year. Not, not on the pass rush, uh, not on the run, because I think he's doing an excellent job playing against the run. You know what I think will benefit him, Marvin, more than anything, is being in the Jets' strength and conditioning program for a full year, you know, people understand that rookies, they come in and it's already like the, the off season program is basically over by the time they get there other than OTAs and stuff. But to me, he's a guy who could put on a little bit of weight. Um, and I, I think they'll probably do that this year with him and really work him hard to get him bigger next year and stronger. And that sounds funny. He comes from Alabama, you know, but he, to me, he's a guy who could use a little bit more bulk on the inside there. So I think I think you'll see a jump from him in year two. I, I hope so. You know, coming from Alabama, no, no matter what, there, it's not an NFL strength and conditioning uh, program. When you were with the Jets, you guys, you you had how many four head coaches with the Jets? Did you come in with Joe Walton, Coslett, Coslett, Walton, Pete Carroll, Richie Totai, and then uh, Bill Parcells got me. So yeah, I had four. I played for four. What what's I mean? You know, you know the Jets fans. There was a there was a big push for Adam Gates to be fired after one year with fans, and I I was against that. I think coaches need a little bit more time. But as a player, what's it like when there when there's changes? There's constant change with the coaching staffs, um, like you experienced with the Jets going through four different coaches. Uh, it's kind of it's difficult, you know. But you have to be a pro, you know, no matter what. And then guys come in, uh, one one year guy that we got rid of, we got rid of Pete Curl for Richie Kosai, and, and to this day, I don't understand that one. But, you know, you have to be a professional, and I think people need to give Adam Gates at least two years, uh, possibly three, because I see some improvement. And you, you look at what, what's happened to us, and I know injuries are part of the NFL and what have you, but, you know, if he's 100% healthy, I think that's a couple more wins on our schedule. And if we got a couple more wins on our schedule, we're, we're sitting at, you know, seven and six right now. And I think anybody by any measurement, that's a successful season. Uh, you know, we've had a couple of, of games where you can say it's under coaching. And, and I and I say when it's under coaching, it's having your team ready to play that Sunday. And there's been a couple of Sundays, uh, particularly last week against Cincinnati. I just didn't feel the team was ready. But overall, with Adam Gates' first year um, in, 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 as a head coach and coaching the Jets, I think he's done a, a decent job. Now, we'll see over the next three games because they're going to be very challenging. But if the guys who are out there and play don't quit and they play hard, then I, I, I think he's, uh, he's done a good job with them. Guys can't, guys can't quit because, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, it, 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 it's the end of the season. And what have you, and so it's up to, coach, to the coach to motivate these guys, let these guys know that not only are they playing to win this game, but they're playing for the futures, and go out there and execute the game plan that that you know the, the, the 
that he was implemented for that week. Yeah, and I thought they, as ugly as the win was Sunday, I thought it was a good sign. You know, it wasn't a lack of effort. They, they were playing hard for him. And after what we saw in Cincinnati, I was like, uh-oh, this, you know, they could pack it in here on this season now. Um, but but they just didn't. So, yeah, I'm curious. I don't, I don't give them much of a chance against the Ravens on Thursday. But like you said, it's going to be a question of effort and making sure they don't just come out and lay, lay down for the Ravens. If they can put up a little bit of a fight, that'll be encouraging for the Jets, I think. Yeah, definitely. They they can't lay a, they can't lay an egg. It's going to be a national TV. Uh, you know, the Ravens are are playing for playoff positioning, what have you. So they're not going to take any games for granted. But the Jets play really, you know, uh, competitive game and and keep it close. Uh, you know, anything can happen. But they they can't come out like they did against Cincinnati or Miami the first time. Those are two games that I was definitely disappointed in. You you know, the one that comes to mind when you talk about it is national TV is that Monday night against the Patriots and they were embarrassed that night. And now they got another national TV game. They can't be embarrassed like that again. Um, Thursday night by the Ravens. What do you say? Sam Durham can't see any more golf. <laughs> no, no, no ghost Thursday night. <laughs> Lamar, Lamar Jackson might have the defense seeing ghosts on Thursday night. <laughs> That's the problem. A uh, good story in Sunday's post by, my friend Steve Serby, uh, where he talked to you, he was looking back at the famous fake spike game 25 years later. It was November 27th, 1994. Um, you know, just, just sh- I know you talked to Serby about it, but just can you share with our listeners your, your memories of that play and that game? The, the game, uh, we came out, you know, I, I think first place was on the line, and it was going to be the first time that the Jets have been outright the first place in probably a decade or something like that. And we came off pretty good. You know, I know we had Marino going in the first half. He threw a couple picks, and we were up 24 to 6. And then Marino just turned into Marino. They just abandoned the, the run game and just let, let Dan do his deal. And uh, they got it close. And then that last drive, uh, they must have drove about 75 yards. 60-something yards. I remember that because we could not get off the field. And then the fake spike, you heard him going, you know, spike, 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 and you're thinking, you know, okay, he's going he's gonna to spike it. But like I told Steve, I rushed the passer, um, and Paul Frey did too. Uh, I looked at the picture today in the paper, and you could see Dan Marino throwing it, and you'll see all of his linemen, but you'll see a pair of green and white socks, you know, about a foot from him, and that was Paul Frey breaking through. But it was a, you know, it was a good play that fooled like 75, 88% of our defense. Uh, I think he got Aaron Glenn off a little bit where he hesitated or whatever, and, you know, the rest is history. And as I told, told Steve, is I'm just glad that uh, they didn't have social media around there because that would have been a meme. That would have been uh, all over Twitter. And, and and Facebook or whatever, man, and and now they got all these get forum groups and whatever. We would have got roasted. So that's a a, a blessing in the sky, you know, playing in the non-social media era. <laughs> that's an excellent point. Um, it's a play that lives on. I actually saw Marino before before today's game. I saw him come up. He's part of the Dolphins front office now, and I saw him walk by, and it's you know. Jets fans don't ever want to see Dan Marino walking into any of their stadiums uh, ever again. Um, 
just one last one, Marvin, for me before we let you go. I appreciate you giving us this much time. I know you're a big advocate um, for cannabis and being used as medicine for players for health and safety reasons. Do you think, you know, there's an upcoming CBA negotiation. Do you think the NFL might ever relax the penalties uh, for, for using marijuana? I, I think that's, that's part of it. And I'm pretty confident because I know people in uh, not the NFL, but the NFLPA, and that's going to be part of it. It, it depends on what the players are going to give up. But uh, number one, I wanted to see it go like, like hockey, where the NHL doesn't test their players and it's not uh, a banned substance, so it doesn't matter. They're not testing for, for, for cannabis. And number two, I would like to see it used medically, whether it's CBD or THC, to take the place of, of opiates, which, you know, a lot of former players have uh, issue, addiction issues with, with, with opiates, but they're introduced to it in the NFL. So that's what I'm hopeful for. But at the least, I think they're going to decriminalize it and guys won't get fined and suspended for testing uh, positive for it anymore. Yeah, I think that would be a great step forward because it makes no sense to me with the how violent a sport it is, why guys, you know, can't use it for medical treatment. Um, and, and instead of what you like, what you were talking about, the opiates and all the Toradol and everything that guys have been using through the years, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's going to be interesting what the players have to give up, like you said, <laughs> to get that at the negotiating table. Yeah, and so let's hope our union does something. You know, I know they're talking about, you know, adding another game or what have you. Uh, that's going to be tough. But uh, hopefully, you know, they're coming through the 21st century because I just think their uh, cannabis policy is, is antiquated and, and it, 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 it's not with the times of the day because eventually in a few years, this thing's going to be legal in all 50 states. All right, Marvin. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to us and give us your insights on the Jets. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, guys. That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen every week. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms for the best Jets content. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back with a Friday show this week recapping the Jets' Thursday night matchup in Baltimore with the Ravens. See you then.